Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals. Today, we have a special guest, Alexandra Harbushka. Hi there. Uh, I, I know I pronounced it properly. It just probably has an accent. You did. But you did it perfect. Before we go on to speak to Alexandra, we must remind people that the information in these episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today, I really wanted to talk to Alexandra about this topic that you're about to learn about. So Alexandra is the founder of Life with Herpes, and this is where she offers a platform where she can create a community and teach people and support people about herpes, which is such a taboo topic that we're going to get into it now and hopefully shake off some of the fear and misconception around it. But before we even go there, Alexandra, it's lovely to have you with us. Can you just tell us, like, of all the topics in the world, herpes, what got you into this? I know, right? Of all the things to talk about. Well, I have herpes. And I mean, not not a spoiler alert there. I'm sure everyone assumed it. Um, I have herpes. And I realized when I was first diagnosed and I'll get into my story, but I was first diagnosed. I was alone, completely alone, scared, tearful. Um, I felt like a tragedy. And so I thought, okay, I need to be able to support other people and I need to get the information out there. And I need to be able to, to somehow support other people because if we're not, if we, if I'm feeling this way, other people are feeling this way. And then I was diagnosed with oral herpes in 2003 and genital herpes in 2011. And the very interesting thing about this is oral herpes was like, okay, I mean, I was, I had a bad day, like, but it wasn't, my life wasn't over. I wasn't like, oh my gosh. I didn't have the thoughts of like, I can't date. I can't be a mom. I can't um, succeed at what I, what I want to succeed at. I can't be who I'm supposed to be because I now have to settle or have to take a back seat to everything because I have herpes. And when I was diagnosed with genital herpes in 11, 2011, it, I mean, that's, you're just broken. Yeah. It's really the only way to describe it. And if you don't mind me saying from what we have been led to believe about herpes, which was obviously a big lie, you don't look like the type of woman right. that would have the herpes. I mean, you look very clean, well-reserved. Your house looks nice behind you. You can see like your family picture. You don't look like what we've been told right. is someone who has herpes is a slut or promiscuous or all the above, you know? So, you know, it's very interesting. You mentioned that because in 2011, we have to go back to where we were, right? We barely, we had Facebook, we barely had Instagram. Um, and so where we went for our information was Google, but it, you know, took a while to get it up, but it was the CDC or WebMD or Planned Parenthood. And I can't remember which particular one that I went to, but it said, um, it had a certain demographic of people, um, high school education or less, um, certain socioeconomic, socioeconomic status of people, um, and it had specific races. And I didn't fit in any of those categories. And I was like, how, what, why? Like you just said, we have this perception of mm. who the who she or he looks like. I thought that Marilyn Manson was the type of guy that had herpes. Like you know, like slimy hair, grungy. And I thought, well, I'm never going to sleep with Marilyn Manson. And so therefore I'm never going to get herpes. Like it was yeah. just in my mind. Yeah. Oh, like, and I was telling you before we started recording. So I put it out to my following, like I'm doing this interview. Does anyone have any questions? And nobody commented on the post but mm -hmm. I got all of these private messages. So then I commented on the post and I was like, I don't know why people are so embarrassed. Like, this is why I want to do this interview. But everyone PMs me, but nobody would comment here. And even the 
messages I did get that you could tell by the wording oh could you ask her like it was very gentle wording like people are apprehensive and this gets to me like the what is it two and three people has herpes like it's not exactly rare that's the other thing that's extremely frustrating and extremely shocking to a lot of people as well so two out of three people have hsv1 and one out of six have hsv2 so what what does that mean and how does that break down hsv1 is typically associated with oral herpes um most commonly cold sores fever blisters, so oral herpes. And then HSV2 is most commonly associated with genital herpes. So that's the quote unquote bad herpes. That's the one that you are a slut. That's the one that you did something wrong and you're being punished for your behavior, right? That's that one. But with one out of six people having genital herpes, that's also extremely common. So if you total that together, that is roughly 80% of the population living with some form or type of herpes. I just surveyed my community and this is an unofficial, it's not accurate. Of course, I just surveyed my community and I asked them because HSV one, which was oral herpes is now moving down to genital herpes. So it's being transmitted now by doing things with our mouth down there. And so people are now getting genital HSV one. So out of my community of the people that have genital or HSV one, 80% of them have it genitally. 20% 20% have it orally. And if, so you, this, this is where it makes me laugh. So when people ever ask me, cause I get a lot of health questions. When people ever ask me about anything like this, even shingles, I'm always like, well, this is the herpes virus. So wherever you have it, we're still approaching the same virus. So you see someone walk past you and maybe they've cold sores on your mouth and you don't twice and it makes me wonder now that I'm saying this is it because we've given it that kind of cute name it's a cold sore no they they have the herpes virus except it's on their face I don't know which is worse do you want it down there on your face because on your face everyone can see it I can tell you from someone that has both it's way worse on your face for me but that's that's yeah but this is like I don't get the whole like I don't know is it brainwashing over the last couple of decades this it's not like you said you're not going to technically die from this a lot of people have herpes you can talk about it it's okay maybe it's embarrassing just as embarrassing as saying that you weren't paying attention and you tripped and fell down the stairs maybe but people need to just stop this now we need to be like more open and talkative Mm -hmm. which is where your platform comes in so before we go into that can you just explain to people okay what is the herpes virus Mm -hmm. and what are the symptoms yeah so there's actually a hundred different types of herpes viruses like you were mentioning you know chicken pox which which is you know goes into shingles Um, there's all sorts of them but specifically right now we're talking about oral herpes and genital herpes which is hsv1 and hsv2 it's like i mentioned earlier two out of three have HSV one and one out of six have HSV two. Um, what does it look like? They both look the same. You can't look at one and go, Oh, that's obviously HSV one. Like they look the same. Um, some symptoms that you might have if you're coming down with it. Well, the, um, upon exposure, it's typically the incubation period is about two to 12 days. So typically if you come in contact with it, you should get your first outbreak within the first two weeks. However, the really frustrating thing about this and the reason why a lot of times people point fingers or don't trust their partner is it can lie dormant in your system for weeks, months, years, decades. So you can, you can contract it say today and then not get your first outbreak for another 10 years. And that happens. And that happens to a lot of people that are in, you know, monogamous marriages. They're like, but how did this happen? Um, just to stop you there that was one of the questions I got from a client earlier is what would cause this latency of it to happen and this specific client is post-cancer she's had chemo she's had radiation so already there's a weakness in the immune system there so like Mm -hmm. that's kind of an easier answer I think for her because she has the compromised immunity exactly and it's 
not just for people with compromised immunities either. I mean, it, it can be, you just, you just don't, you don't really know, but yeah, in her case, it probably is that, yeah. um, it's just whenever the, it, it just has a mind of its own, you know, whenever it kind of wants to pop up, it'll pop up. Um, and the symptoms that you would probably look for, um, physically, you could have swollen lymph nodes, you can have flu-like symptoms, overall rundown feeling, you could have potentially some body aches. Um, and then you might get a tingly sensation. So I like to describe it as like a spider walking on your skin. At least that's what I, or a bug walking on your skin. That's kind of a sensation I have. Some people get itchy. Um, and that's just kind of the overall body sensation. And then an outbreak, and this is, I'll tell you another staggering statistic, but, um, this is why it gets misconstrued as well. It can be a paper cut or it can be a blister that's fluid filled, or it can be a cluster of blisters that are fluid filled. Um, so it can look a few different ways. So a lot of times we'll get as women, we shave, we wax, we wear thongs, we wear tight jeans, we do all sorts of things. So it's so easy for us as women to go, Oh, I have a little paper cut, a little abrasion. It must've been, Oh, I was shaving or whatever we were doing. Right. And so that's why a lot of times people don't think, well, what I have done, there's no way it's herpes because I'm in a monogamous relationship and I don't have that, you know, or whatever reason we tell ourselves, I'm not with anybody right now. I haven't had sex in a year. It's not that. So, um, uh, 90% of the people with genital herpes never know they have it. They will not be diagnosed. 90% of the people with genital herpes are not diagnosed. So that's why we keep on transmitting it. And that's why we don't know, like I said, it could be a paper cut. It can also be on other locations. It can be um, like, I get mine on my tailbone. It can be on your butt. It can be on your hamstring. It can be on your inner thigh. And you can be like, well, that's not herpes because it's, you know, under my belly button or Mm. whatever we want to tell yourself. Yeah. 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 And just as you were speaking there and given the scenarios, oh, I'm not sleeping with anyone or I haven't been with anyone in a year or I don't sleep around back to what mm-hmm. we've been to. I don't sleep around. And that reminded me, did I hear somewhere that you are a minister or something? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm working on my my master's in um, theology. And so part of that, I became a minister. Yeah. Oh, so even right. ministers can get it. Like, yes, the Lord anybody. clearly does not exempt anyone from this. Exactly. exactly. Isn't that funny, though, compared to what we were told? You're not sleeping around. You're a minister. You seem right. like a very wholesome person. Thank you. And yeah. just to really shake up what people think. And and right. as we're here, I had chicken pox when I was younger. Right. Therefore, I had her. Right. I have family members that had chicken pox, but they also get a lot of cold sores. They have herpes, That's but what we, that is. we don't judge them like someone who maybe just got a genitalia diagnosis. But it's the right. same bloody thing. Like people need to cop on, like think logically. <laughs> right. And you can, you could say, okay, you, you have two people, let's say that they were virgins when they got married, but one gets cold sores or herpes, oral herpes, whatever. And the partner can get it genitally through their marriage. Like they're, they're not doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? It's just part of it. Yeah. Depending on what they're doing. But that, um, that leads me to the next question. How would someone contract herpes? So it's skin to skin. So there's a lot of times we think, oh, it's bodily fluids. We get misconstrued because there are a lot of other STIs out there are bodily fluids. Um, but this is skin to skin. So it means that, um, for example, let's say you have a cold sore on your mouth or a herpes outbreak on your mouth and you kiss somebody that does not have herpes, um, that active lesion, I guess, or blister would have the, the viral DNA in it. And then it would transmit to a partner. So it's skin to skin. You can donate blood, you, you bodily fluids. It doesn't live in now something to be look out for. I noticed we're both drinking Pellegrinos right now and let's, yep. Pellegrino twins. (laughs) Yes. So let's say, let's say I had a big outbreak right now and I took a sip out of my Pellegrino. I was like, Hey, do you want a sip? And you took a sip on the exact same spot that I just sipped on. Mm. You could potentially get it that way. Um, Or I'm like, Hey, do you want to borrow my lipstick or whatever things of that nature? If it's 
like direct, you know, like, let me, let me put it on and let you put it on. Not let me take a sip of the Pellegrino and come back two hours later or five hours later or whatever. And then you take a sip. So it's, it can be direct like that, like sharing foods. If you're share, you know, quickly sharing. So things of that nature are to look out for. So it could be as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the expert in this area, but uh, you could have a herpes outbreak and you could also kiss your new baby on the Mm -hmm. face, which a lot of us do, Mm -hmm. and not think anything of it because Mm -hmm. we haven't been educated. Or you could have a toddler, which is a scenario, one of my clients, her little girl keeps getting these outbreaks of herpes but she doesn't have herpes. So how did the little girl get it? Well, maybe when the baby, when she was a baby, a grandparent or someone gave her a kiss as we do to babies and toddlers. Like it's, it's no harm, no foul. Like it's a gesture of love. Anyway, I don't know why I went down that way with everything that's going on now, but she, the mother doesn't have it, but the toddler now has it. It could have came from anywhere, like anywhere. And the mother, that could be a good, a good example as well. The mother may have it and be asymptomatic. So the majority of the people that have herpes are actually asymptomatic. They're not getting symptoms. Mm-hmm. So she may unknowingly have it and may have transmitted it. Um, the father, the grandparents, she could have gotten it from, I don't know if she, the daughter's in school, you know, there's all these things. We have so many fears. People ask me, do you kiss your child? I'm like, of course I do because out of, I, and I use the example, there's seven people that are in his life you know, throughout, like there's more than that, but like on a daily basis and five out of the seven have oral herpes. So why would I not kiss my child or hug my child and other people do, or he goes to school or he'll go to someone's house or he'll do things and he can still pick it up. I wonder like if it's even that extreme in people's thinking, well, if people think logically, because you know, when they toddlers and kindergartens they're in school and they pretend to kiss each other and right. like like right. it could anything like it, right again people need to think critically about this sort of stuff right or they they share their you know like oh t- taste my water or taste my juice box or whatever they don't yeah. think anything of it they're innocent they don't know which makes sense on why so many people have it it's not it's mm-hmm. in my opinion it's not really a big deal. It's unless things get out of hand, which is my next question. So if things do get out of hand, if your breakout gets severely bad and it spreads and you just can't shift it, like what is this? What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen, um, and I say based on what we know now, and the reason why I say that is obviously uh, medical advance- advancements happen all the time. We have newer technology to be able to research and new studies and things like that. And the example that I like to say is until about 40 years ago, we only thought that there was one type of herpes. You either got it orally or genitally. We didn't know there were two types. We didn't have the advancement to be able to differentiate the DNA. So based on now, the only thing it really does is cause annoying blisters. Now they're annoying. Don't get me wrong. They can be very painful for some people. Don't get me wrong. Um, but but the worst would be just an annoying blister. If somebody is having a breakout on their face or even in their genitalia, would you tell them to avoid kissing someone or even having intercourse until it's cleared up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. You, so that you are the most contagious when you have an outbreak. Obviously you have an active, you have active viral DNA wherever you have it. So you are most contagious at that point. Yep. So is that at the tingling phase or is that at the full-on blister phase? Both. So I would say if you have the tingling or the sensation that you're going to get something, then yeah, you would abstain or just be a little bit careful. Um, you, it may not go into a full brown, full blown outbreak. It may just be the virus shedding. And, and that is, that's kind of a gray area. And it's frustrating because obviously we know when we have an outbreak, like you have an outbreak, like you're very mm-hmm. aware of that. You're not going to miss it. Um, so, you know, you're contagious. Well, viral shedding occurs, whether you're symptomatic or asymptomatic and just like any other living thing, organism being whatever, um, you know, leaves drop when they, when they're in the fall, flowers lose their petals. We lose our hair. We, we have our skin particles, all that stuff. The viral DNA sheds as well. And so when that happens, it goes out of dormancy, which is in our spinal, it's in our nervous system, down our spinal cord, um, 
and it comes out of dormancy and it goes to wherever you have it. So for example, if you have oral herpes, it'll come out of the spinal cord, which is kind of, it likes to live kind of like in the neck around the jaw area. So it'll live there. It'll pop up to wherever you get cold sores, the virus sheds, the host has no idea. So it's typically asymptomatic or it can be a little tingly sensation, a little itch, a little something. And you might go, oh, maybe that's what it was. But then you don't get an outbreak. So you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have an outbreak. Um, so it can be very gray. It's it, that's frustrating for a lot of people. Cause like, well, how do I know? Yeah. You don't. So what, what kind of time frame are we talking about avoidance there? Is that from the moment of tingling for a week or two or like, I know it depends, but if we were to give people guidelines. Yeah. There, there aren't really some, like, like you can't, there's not really a guideline that says you are contagious for X amount of days, or you should quarantine or whatever. Um, I would say once the outbreak is fully healed, um, like the scab is gone. If you do get a scab, depending on where you have it, um, I would probably wait like 48 hours and then you should be okay. Some people, they used to believe this is back to, you know, medical advancements. They used to believe that once there was a scab, you were no longer contagious and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, you can still be contagious with a scab. Yeah, that was my question because um, I've had a client recently have issues with shingles and the same thing is once the rash appears, you're no longer contagious, but there's that kind of aspect of safe than sorry as well. Right, right. So you mentioned there that this virus in particular likes to house itself or stay dormant in the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. It goes, it goes along our nervous system, mm-hmm. which was my spine. next thing. So the spinal cord is also home to our central nervous system mm-hmm. and the central nervous system is challenged by a lot of stuff. So before I say anything else, what are the triggers you kind of notice more? I know you kind of touched on, you know, it can happen whenever we don't really know for sure, but if, have you seen specific mm-hmm. triggers? Cause I know I've seen strict triggers in my family and friends that I can comment on but what have you seen would be a trigger there to give you a flare yeah so for me personally it's stress or a lack of sleep um and so as we know with our nervous system or things like that when we're stressed or don't have sleep it's really the same um hostile environment in our body or it doesn't really know the difference you know and so everything's freaking out and your body's like well you, you didn't give me any sleep and you're expecting me to go to a yoga class and you're expecting me to go to work and you're expecting me to go on a date night and then it's happy hour with your friends. And it's like, you're expecting me to do all these things and I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so then your body's like, okay, I'm going to give you an outbreak so that you calm down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely stress or um, lack of sleep and, you know, just being aware, like there's times I'll wake up and I'm like, Ooh, my body is exhausted. Like I'm, I'm not going to work out today. I'm going to give it a break. And so it's learning. So a lot of people will say, wow, this was a blessing in my life because I didn't realize I was burning the candle from both ends, or I was pushing myself, or I was, you know, drinking too much or not eating the right foods or dealing with harboring trauma or something that I just didn't realize. And my nervous system was freaking out, but I wasn't aware of it. And here I'm finally like, I got to deal with it. So I hear this time and time again, I heard it this morning in our support group call from a couple of people. So, yeah, this is something I teach my clients. It's part of what I teach, but I talk about it so much. I spoke about it on an interview a few weeks back. Not enough people have awareness around their body and what it's trying to say. It really is a case of like, just listen, what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, central nervous system like as I would phrase it overtaxing it whatever that's mm-hmm. from overtraining, under eating too much alcohol is something I see a lot so it's if a client or someone has a lot of alcohol and say junk food over the weekend then mm-hmm. they can experience the tingling but also mm-hmm. the stress if I see they start feeling like their immune system is compromised mm-hmm. they'll get the tingling as well mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to just be like the stress and the alcohol and the junk food, like we think. And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It can just be 
you haven't been sleeping well because maybe your toddler was sick all night or maybe you were overtraining or maybe you are over fasting or not eating enough food like it can come from like yeah. anywhere once that central nervous system is overtaxed yeah I think that's going to be a trigger or it's your birthday and so you had cake the last three nights as you should you know yeah. like yeah. or you had you know it was a date night or you whatever like as you should enjoy and have a glass of wine or two glasses of wine or whatever, like you should, yeah. or whatever your drink of choices, like you should do those things. But it's like, you're saying it's that balance. And, and I like to tell people once you learn your body and know, gosh, when I do this, then I get outbreaks. Don't be afraid to do it. Be aware and say, you know what? I'm making this decision con consciously knowing you know, I am going to Vegas this weekend on a bachelorette party and I'm going to have Red Bull vodka. And I'm aware that on Monday I'm going to have an outbreak, but I'm aware of that. I know that, you know, making that choice and not being a victim to the herpes and be like, well, I can't have the Red Bull vodka with all my friends because I'll get a herpes outbreak. You can make that decision. You're in charge. Yeah. So you might also have a hangover and some regrets, but right, right. one thing for sure is you yeah. will probably have an outbreak. <laughs> yeah. Like personally, I can't even imagine a Red Bull vodka. Like that gives me anxiety just to think of it. Like the smell <laughs> gives me anxiety, that's but I'm saying yeah. <laughs> that's your jam. Yeah. That's I didn't okay. even know. I'm like, who even drinks Red Bull and vodka anymore? Like 18 year olds maybe? <laughs> I don't know. In the age group of Oh, give me a glass of red wine and I'm happy. Right. right. <laughs> but exactly. even the red wine can trigger it as well. Like if you got a poor quality red wine that maybe is higher in sulfates than the one you're used to drinking, that could potentially trigger it, right? Yeah. Or you don't realize you're out to dinner and the waiter pours more, like you go up, get up to go to the restroom and you think I just had one glass, but you actually had two and you're like, well, I never poured it. Like, you know, like those little things you're just not yeah. aware of or, um, you know, and I like to tell people I'm looking outside right now. I like to tell people there's nothing like go outside, get some fresh air, get some sunshine, like calm your body down. It's like just sitting outside for 10 minutes would do more for you than, than going like pushing through it. You know? So that's that stress management aspect mm -hmm. of it. Like if, if you know, stress is your trigger, go go shop or sit in the grass or watch something funny, whatever is your jam. But what else can we do then? Apart from the stress management, what else are the kind of recommendations you're making to people to stack conditions in their favor? Because, you know, like even if you're doing everything, it doesn't mean you're going to prevent an outbreak. No. So all we can do is have these tools to like help and stack conditions in their favor. Yeah. Well, I would also say food is a large trigger too, as well. Um, if, if, if you're someone that does eat junk food or doesn't necessarily have, I don't want to say the cleanest diet because, you know, that there's part of life that you sometimes just need to enjoy something or you go over to your aunt's house and she makes something that you're like, oh, I really didn't want this, but I have to eat it yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but diet, you know, there's food specifically that can trigger. So there's this thing called lysine and arginine. Well, there's more, it's their essential amino acids or proteins and specifically talking to her about herpes. Lysine is basically like a, um, is like a, uh, virus extinguisher, the herpes virus and arginine is like a lighter fluid. So arginine is great for cardiovascular health. It's great for, um, vascular health. It improves our athletic performance. So a lot of times we'll think like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm going to get, I just did, I just did a workout. I just did a burn. I'm doing this or whatever. Oh yeah. I'm at the gym. Oh yeah. I'll take an extra scoop of protein powder in my, for $2 and 50 cents more in my, my post-workout smoothie, or I'll get a power bar. That's going to give me energy or whatever. They hide arginine in there because it does improve athletic performance. What it does is it feeds the herpes virus to replicate. It gives it the fuel that it wants and needs to replicate. When we have herpes replication, we get outbreaks. So we want to do what we can to avoid arginine. Now it's essential. We need it. I just explained why it helps with our heart and things like that. So all foods are going to contain arginine, but we can look at some things and be like, all right, I'm not going to add fuel to my fire. So there are some high arginine foods like peanuts, nuts, chocolate, coconut. That's the milk and that's the meat, not the water and the oil. 
Um, any type of fried foods, like anything that's going to bog you down as well. So those are going to be high in, in arginine. Now on the flip side, we have lysine, which is also an essential amino acid. It's a protein. It helps with um, building our muscles. It helps with um, tendon repair. Um, it also helps us process other minerals that we consume. Well, that actually inhibits or, or slows down or blocks the herpes virus from replicating. So it blocks it out of replication mode. Now it's not guaranteed. It's not like, oh, if you eat high lysine or take lysine supplements, you're not going to get a herpes outbreak. No, it's, it's a natural way, but just being aware of that and eating foods that are high in lysine, like fish, um, like avocados, like potatoes, um, just fruits, vegetables, things like that. And taking lysine supplements can really be helpful. So when you're talking about these amino acids, you're not meaning like you said in the isolated form in a protein bar or protein shake, you mean like even in whole foods. So you're not specifically avoiding the processed aspect, like essential amino acids or whatever. It's like in whole food as well. Right. You can't avoid it. Um, it's, it's in our foods, but you can look at it and say, gosh, there are a few, like peanuts are the biggest trigger for most people. Um, as far as a food, it's, I think stress is higher, but, um, across the board in food peanuts for so many people, like they can't even look at a peanut and they're like, Oh, I get an outbreak. Um, so for some people, that's a huge one and they may not realize it. they may go, gosh, I didn't realize I was eating peanut butter every day, or I'm putting a scoop of peanut butter in my smoothie, or I'm a college student. And so I, I can't afford a lot of you know, expensive food. So peanut butter is a healthy fat or, you know, all those things. We just, we just don't realize it. Yeah. Which makes me think, um, how do I word this? It's, I wonder, is it so much the lysine and the arginine or the context they are in, in the food? Because peanuts are a food that I tell most of my clients to avoid. And anyway, they're not specifically a healthy fat and they're very inflammatory and they have the lectins. But then on the other hand, you mentioned, okay, well, potatoes and avocado and seafood, they have the amino acids, but they're quote, anti-inflammatory so that makes mm -hmm. me think of the context that these aminos are in as well. Because you can get like really clean, clean protein powders, but you can get really crappy protein powders mm -hmm. as well. Like, mm -hmm. so just kind of, you know, that age old tale, eat well, take care of yourself, eat whole foods. Right, right. And it's just being aware. There's some people that are like, they eat, they have a bat poor diet, you know, and they're fine. Yeah. Some people are resilient as well. Right. Like they're just like, you throw it, you draw a house at them and they'll still stand up. Like they're fine. Right. Exactly. Uh, one of my clients this morning was, she had sent me a question about her little girl has these constant outbreaks and she was looking for some tips for the little girl and they use topical lysine, mm -hmm. but she says it can take a few days up to a week for it to actually kick in and make mm -hmm. a difference even. And I suppose that's, stopping the replication is taking a few days. Yeah. It's the more natural way. Of course, you know, it, it does take a little bit of time. Some other things she could do is, um, put her child in some, an Epsom salt bath that also can help calm the nervous system. As we know, it adds magnesium, which helps calm you down as well. Um, it also, if she has it orally, she's obviously not going to be like submerged, but if you have it genitally, it can help with the itch. It can help with, um, you know, kind of wound healing, drying out the wound. So mm -hmm. There's a lot of other things we can do, but lysine is, is, is really helpful. So what you said there again, back to central nervous system, like you've already said it, but again, it just rang a bell. So if the child maybe is somehow stressed or has anxiety, or maybe is dealing with bullying at school or something that goes back to like yeah. the central nervous system, like mm -hmm. that would be your first approach. Mm -hmm. why is why is the child in this stress state in the first mm -hmm. place like why is your body in this stress state like we mentioned mm -hmm. yeah I didn't yeah why are we that. here yeah uh, you and and I suppose like I speak for everyone when I talk and think out loud is we wouldn't consider that for a child we wouldn't think oh their central nervous system is stressed no but it, it can be and yeah. we don't realize it because they cover it up by laughing or playing, but that's all they know, you know? And so they, they, they get stressed. Or we think 
like you're a child what what are you stressed about like you're so difficult what the tv's not working like we we almost think it's humorous like why does a child got to be stressed about right right but you know like if you know we we travel a lot and my son gets out of whack when we travel that first day like he doesn't sleep well and it takes him a good day before he gets back on track and so he's stressed doesn't he doesn't realize he's stressed yeah but the nervous system is stressed yeah do you have anything else that you like to use topically or to address like an outbreak um any type of essential oil is also helpful uh, we created our own products um that are natural and essential oils and they actually have cbd in them as well which helps with the inflammation and it helps um with the pain Um, but really any type of essential oil that is going to be a wound healing or anti-inflammatory or antimicrobial antiviral, um, I'm trying to think peppermint, peppermint is really great. Eucalyptus is really great. Tea tree oil is really great. Lavender is really great. Just pick, pick whatever, um, lemon balm is great. Oregano oil, like pick whatever is your jam. You know, like if you're like, I really like this one, I don't like that one. Would you recommend that people would mix the oils into a base if they're going to apply topically right you don't Um, want to burn your skin so you can either dilute it with water or use a carrier oil like coconut oil or whatever which obviously like the likes of tea tree oil is going to burn if you apply it right so um i saw you mention in another interview that you did mono lauren and i actually interviewed damon sanonsatuk about a month or two ago he's a creator of a monolarin product mm-hmm. out of florida so i love damon he's he's awesome he really is that's, that's the awesome product that you, that you were talking about mm-hmm. oh, i didn't know that i just you just said monolarin so does monolarin have because we spoke a lot about immunity myself and damon but is that helpful yes so there are a lot of studies um, that you can research about monolaurin and lacing together, helping people with herpes. Um, specifically what monolaurin does is for those of us that are new to it or haven't heard of it, I hadn't heard of it until a couple of years ago. And I still have, like, you're the first person that's mentioned it to me. That's not in my community or Damon. Like I still have never heard of it um, out there, but it's lauric acid. And that was developed because they figured out what, like, why are babies that are born with zero immune system all over the world, some in sanitary and some in very unclean areas, how are they surviving? And it's from human breast milk that basically it's lauric acid that goes in and it disrupts the outer layer of an enveloped virus. So it's like a fatty layer that goes around the virus and it disrupts it so that our immune system can then penetrate it and then go in and fight the virus and do what it needs to do. So otherwise the virus is in control and the virus replicates and keeps replicating and keeps taking over our body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so monolaurin adding that to your daily regime, as far as an immune system boost, um, can be extremely helpful, um, yeah. keeping your immune system strong. Yeah. It, I love monolaurin. I take You're that mentioning daily. there monolaurin helps break the biofilm. So then the lysine mm-hmm. can go in and attack mm-hmm. uh, and myself and, Damon at the time we had I was asking him about caprylic acid in comparison to monolarin mm-hmm. have you heard of caprylic acid being helpful for the herpes virus that I am not rehearsed in I have I am not but I am going to research that after this yeah I wonder I use caprylic acid a lot with my clients especially for yeast breakouts and stuff mm-hmm. because it can break into the outer biofilm but also caprylic acid is derived from coconut and so is monolarin so that's where I was asking him like would they be just as efficacious but monolarin seems to be stronger but I do see good results from caprylic acid but uh, you can't get like a supplement for kids either from my client but you could give her some coconut but did you say avoid coconut because of the arginine you can do coconut oil and coconut uh water but okay. you would need, I can't remember what Damon said, but it's some like awful amount of coconut in order mm-hmm. to get the yeah. lauric acid out of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can't, I don't know if you can supplement children. I mean, it doesn't taste good. So that's the other thing you'd have to really hide that. But again, yeah. I don't know about supplementing children. They might have something in child form. I don't know. Yeah. 
with that you said the arginine is mostly in the meat right of the coconut so coconut meat and milk is the arginine mm -hmm. okay i'll have to think on that one because i was like well if you made chaya pudding with coconut milk no <laughs> okay. you gotta do oil i know it, but you could do the oil topically, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Like every little helps, you know? Right. Every little thing helps. Yeah. Is there anything else that, because there are two they things. They can, um, she could do her own. She could take lysine and coconut oil and make her own, and, and potentially a monolaurin in there and make her own salve mm -hmm. and then put it topically. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. I and maybe add a little peppermint oil in it because yeah. peppermint's really helpful with the virus and put it on topically that could be really helpful maybe if she knows someone that's giving out some breast milk maybe <laughs> right right breast milk I know I I'm still breastfeeding and um I don't want to give it up for that reason like you just yeah. don't know when you need it yeah just dehydrate some and just keep it for an emergency right. is there anything else because there are two other things that I'm not sure if you've heard of but I've seen to work great with the herpes outbreak and I'm going to tell you because it'll be helpful for your community but is there anything else that you kind of would recommend to your followers I would just say I would just say don't let this like control you if you're someone that's like no I love peanut butter and I want to eat peanut butter like don't feel like you can't um and don't but don't feel like you can't do anything because a lot of times especially when diet restrictions happen or taking things out of diet we can go into this like <gasps> I can't eat anything. I can't enjoy anything. And we can go to this whole other layer. So um, I would just kind of see what works for you. And what works for me is going to be completely different for somebody else. Yeah. And even and if you did try, oh my God, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. That's going to be stressful. That wow. stresses you out. Right. Yeah. So maybe if you, can, if you have troubles with, I don't even know the names of peanut butter anymore, but if you have trouble with one, maybe try an organic one or just see if there's a difference. Yeah. Instead of having it every day, try every other day or every three days or whatever. Yeah. So this might be helpful for your community in what I've seen with my clients is, and there's a lot of research around both of these products. So one is chaga mushroom. There's a lot of research out there for chaga mushroom penetrating and stopping the herpes virus. And I will use chaga elixirs with my clients and it works pretty fast. Like That's I can great. see regression in 24 hours. That's fabulous. But what works even faster, and I have used this with my family members as well, is molecular hydrogen applied topically. You do have to be careful, but you can apply it topically. So molecular hydrogen is hydrogen. Um, it's a H2 form. You can buy it in tablets, but I'll crush it up in a mortar and pets pestle. Um, I always think it's handy to have the powder around because you can apply it topically whenever you need it. But if you apply it topically, so you will have to, I always find it easier to just get a little bit of either saliva or water on your finger mm -hmm. and you apply it to the cold sore and it'll, it'll feel like it's burning, but it's not, it's just getting to work immediately. I have seen that stop the blisters in its track wow. and by the next morning they're gone. Like wow. completely gone. And there's, a, I don't know if you're aware of the research around molecular hydrogen, but there is a lot out there. But these would be helpful for your community. Huge. Like it, it will feel like it's burning and it can be applied to the genitalia as well. And it, when it burns, you're going to want to wash it off, but it won't cause damage. Hydrogen is one of the safest molecules out there, but it's that um reactive agent. Once it applies to like some sort of open wound or something, it'll feel like it's burning, but it won't cause any damage. But by the next morning, generally it's gone, completely gone. So just to make sure this is very different than like buying hydrogen and pouring it on a wound. You can... Oh yeah. Yeah. This is molecular hydrogen. Okay. So it's, um, it's hydrogen, which is bound to magnesium and it's usually an elemental magnesium. So then when you place it in water, it reacts and you mm -hmm. get the gas. So people would drink that. So that's, uh -huh. I mean, you can drink it as well if you have an outbreak and it will help cleanse you from the inside. But if you get the tablets, you can just grind them and then, the easiest thing is to like lick your finger, dab it in the powder and then just apply it and you just leave it there and it does its work. And like, it really is an amazing molecule, but it's very safe. And that's something you could use with kids as well. Um, that's fabulous. But 
hopefully that helps your people. Yeah, too. I'll let them know. Um, yeah, I haven't heard of that. That's this is why we talk because you'll know stuff yeah. that I won't know, and I just I just know the stuff is what I say to people. Yeah. So there was another question before I let you go because I know we both have crazy schedules. Um, but one of my clients this morning was asking about the connection between I don't know how much you know of this the whole chicken box chicken pox the chicken pox vaccines and shingles and all of that do you know much around that her main question was if my son doesn't get chicken pox and he gets one of the vaccines so here in Canada I believe it's two my kids are from Ireland so we didn't have the chicken pox vaccine but in Canada you get the chicken pox vaccine when you're a baby mm-hmm. and then a booster later on uh, mm-hmm. and her question was if you knew about if she didn't get the booster does that mean then his body won't be as responsive to the virus if it comes again yeah I'm not sure I don't I don't know about that um yeah. but just because you've I mean I had chicken pox as a kid and I still have herpes you know it's it's it doesn't they're different they're different types. Yeah. So, yeah. but they're all in the same family. So as far as chickenpox vaccine and yeah, that one, I don't know. Yeah. I think the worst outcome is going to be shingles mm-hmm. for anyone, I think. Right. Um, but knowing this, I think this conversation is going to be helpful now. So people are not so afraid. Like it's not the end of the world if you get right. it. Is right. there any last words you would like to tell someone if they have just got a diagnosis and maybe they're upset or feeling ashamed or something? Yeah. Well, prior to that, let's back it up a little bit. If anybody is, is going to be, um, with a new partner, I highly recommend getting tested. You have to specifically ask for the herpes test. It's not included in the the typical STI STD panel. So we may think that we're responsible, sexually active adults. We're going to go to a new partner and say, Hey, are you getting tested? I'm going to get tested. We both go get tested. We get our test results back. They're all negative. Good to go. But neither one of you were tested for herpes. So that's just a really important thing. Make sure you specifically ask for that. And, um, it's not the end of the world. If you have it, it's better to know if you or your partner have it, because you can then easier, easy, more easily prevent transmission. Like I said, you can be more aware and go like, Oh, you know what? That's weird. I do get that weird tingle. Sometimes I don't get outbreaks, but I didn't know I had herpes and wow, that weird tingle must be what it is. Wow. I'll abstain from sex at that point or whatever, you know? Um, so that's just a PSA public service announcement here and just get tested. Don't be afraid of it. Um, it's there for your advocacy. It's there for you to stand up for your health. Um, just cause, and also if you're someone that has herpes, don't feel like you can't ask your partner to get tested. Like, no, no, no. You are an equal here because we have herpes doesn't make us less of a person. Yeah. And kind of on that, I mean, don't let anything hold you back, especially having a herpes diagnosis this morning on our call, we were talking about, um, what would you tell your future self or what would you tell, what would you tell your newly diagnosed self knowing that you have herpes now and you lived with it. And it was, um, that you're going to grow so much from this journey. You're going to grow into a new person. You're going to make new life habits that are going to be extremely beneficial for you. And you're, you're going to make changes that are going to support you, whether it's mental changes, physical changes, health changes, relationship changes, you're going to grow from it and, and just look at it as a blessing. Yeah. And one, this is totally off topic. This was another question. A client was concerned if mm-hmm. the herpes and the HPV virus were the same, or if you have HPV, does that mean you have herpes and vice versa? No, they're completely different viruses. There's a lot of H's, a lot of P's, a lot of V, like they all sound sim- similar. So human papilloma virus is HPV, commonly known as warts or genital warts. Um, so if we ever had a wart, I don't know about you, but I had warts as a kid on my hands and knees. Um, those are, it's HPV, it's human papillomavirus. I'm not an expert in it. Um, but that is very different than HSV, which is herpes simplex virus. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the herpes virus. So they're different viruses. They both cause, I guess, annoying bumps, but they're different things. So you have this platform where you Mm -hmm. have all of this information and you have a community and you have these group calls and Mm -hmm. offer all this support. 
Can you direct us to those? Where yes. are you having all of this? You can find me at life with herpes. So whether that's .com, whether that's um, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I'm a big TikTok fan now. Um, <laughs> lots of great. I have a lot of free resources, a lot of um, very educational videos. And then of course we have our community, which is awesome. Like there's so many great people in there. It's the best thing you can possibly do if you're just diagnosed. Yeah, I'm sure you'll agree with me as a minister as well. <laughs> community is so important. Like we should never have been isolated. We came out of it worse than we went in. So community is so important. Just reminding people, you don't have to deal with stuff like this alone. Like there's people who want to help. Exactly. There are people and it's it's not only, fi it's finding the people that you also associate with. Um, and it can be, it can be a community of your own, meaning like it can be family and friends, or it can be a community specifically for what you're dealing with. So in this case, herpes, yes. um, <laughs> excuse me. So, yeah. Yeah. So someone can, this way, these interviews are great as well. I like to do them in videos because someone could watch this and be like, oh, I really like that girl, Alexandra. I feel right. like we can relate. I'm going to check her stuff out. Or alternatively, no, she's not for me. Like, this is why it's helpful yeah. to see. And then you'll either click or you won't click with someone. So I'm going to post all your links below once everything is edited and Fabulous. uploaded. And then I'll share everything with you. But it was a pleasure talking to you. I think people are going to find this really helpful. And that maybe we've kind of broken up. I'm going to say silliness. Like, you don't need to be afraid. You're not going to die. It's not a big deal, really. Like there's worse things happening. I hope we Absolutely. kind of broke into that because like I said, even just the words, everyone was like so gentle. Yeah. Like, can you ask me this? Can you ask? like kind of like gentle shame? If that's if that's a thing, I've just made it up. They're gently ashamed. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's just it's very um like hush hush or let's not talk about it or I'm asking for somebody else because yeah. I don't like, I don't have it, but my friend over here has it. Yeah. Asking for a friend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it was lovely to speak to you. Thank you. I enjoyed this as well. Thank you so much. Good. Enjoy the rest of your day and good luck with your exams and everything as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alexandra. Bye. Bye.